Want to discover leading strategies, share experiences and connect with fellow consultancy leaders from companies like EY, PwC or Porsche Consulting? Then join us in Munich for the Leaders in Consulting Conference on the 27th of June, a one-day event exclusively for consultancy leaders like you. Places are limited, so head to leadersinconsulting.com to claim your ticket now. That's leadersinconsulting.com. See you there. One important aspect is the mentality and what you want to get out of people and culture in HR. If you want them just to own the process, it's fine. Leave it as it is. If you want them to make, to make an impact to your business, I think that's the important switch in thinking about it. And if that's then on, then test it and continue testing it what is actually working well. But if you're positioning it as a process owner, they will be always process owners. If you're giving them, as you said earlier, a saying in driving the business, and especially in consultancies where people is the only asset, I believe that is very important. And it's the first step. And then everything else comes with it. Welcome to the Leaders in Consulting podcast, the show that delivers cutting-edge insights from other leaders of consulting companies. This episode is part of a special series of interviews recorded in front of a live audience at the 2023 Leaders in Consulting Conference in Munich. If you want a summary of learnings from each podcast or you want to meet other consulting leaders at our monthly in-person meetups, head to leadersinconsulting.com and subscribe to our newsletter. Please note, you must be a partner or managing director of a consulting company with at least 40 employees to be eligible to join our in-person meetups. That said, let's get started with the show. I'm your host, Sammy Gebele, former management consultant and CEO of Savu. So, um, who of you is actively hiring? Who has problems finding enough good people? Yeah, you're in the right place right now. Um, so this is going to be super interesting for you um, because um, Philip is kind of, a, for me, a, a unicorn in a sense. Um, so he helped um, Omax set up and execute a very data-driven um, sales process. You, you helped shape and build the whole HR um, practice, of course. But he helped um, drive the growth of the, the company from... 120 to 300 employees in just two years with very, very limited resources. He's going to tell us in a second little, but you're going to be surprised um, with how little he was able to pull that one off. Um, Omax is itself, it's, it's a pretty fast growing company originally from Munich, but now based in several, several places in, in Europe, not only Germany. Um, and is uh, specialized in transaction advisory. So you usually come in with a private equity company for due diligence. And then also if the company's bought, help with um, shaping the, the digital practice or help execute what you found out as uh, of, uh, like opportunities for, for getting better in the digital space. Philip um, has been with the company for, for three years. Um, and you are not a um, HR person by trade, correct? That's correct. First of all, Sammy, thank you very much for being here for the nice wellness program. Great lunch. And then afterwards, massage. Yeah, if you didn't try it out, we, we both had massages. Um, there on the left side, um, well, it's on you if you don't try it out. Very people-oriented, um, Sammy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, take care of yourself and your employees. Absolutely. <laughs> um, maybe let's start like this. Um, what did you do before you joined um, OMAX? 
So I studied business administration. Very annoying. <laughs> no, but uh, so I learned facts and figures. I I would say I would say would rather say I'm a, more of a data guy and business guy than in, in the classical HR guy in the beginning. And then I worked to and Vodafone in several countries and, and functions, but all in the digital direction. And that was the hook also to Omax, which, as I said, digital strategy consultancy, that they were looking actively for somebody <laughs> understanding the business at the same time, also interested in people topics. And this is where we came together and where we said, okay, um, let's do this. Funny story about this. When, when I first heard about the position, it was called director of HR, the director of human resources. And from the headhunter, it was pitched more like people and culture. So it sounded a little bit different. And we had a very nice discussion around this, that human resources is, is a nice, uh, nice uh, name. But I think people and culture says much more about what it really is, especially in our business and consultancy. It's about the people. It's about creating the culture around and not only about the resource itself. Um, so I like that discussion in the first place. And um, the team is also called people and culture at Omax and not human resources, yeah. even though we do human resources tasks as well. And uh, you are a partner at that company. That's correct. Yeah, I was promoted to partner uh, last year. Um, so I'm very thankful for that. Obviously, that the, the company itself also sees people and culture as a very important topic. Um, but it's not only, I guess, about me and my person, my personal development, but rather about the company and how they see it and how they want to fit it into their overall story. Mm -hmm. And that's already one big difference that I see between uh, how OMAC is emphasizing um, the whole function uh, and how it is executed in most other consulting companies that I know. Um, because there, HR is more process-oriented. They execute a process that's been there for years and years. And um, well, that's it. That's what they do. They don't have a say in these uh, management meetings yeah, or the MD meetings. Um, they, they just get told what to do um, and, and they have to try to do it with their normal processes. And usually it's, it's HR people that are fulfilling this position. Not that people couldn't do something like you do, but I think it's quite unique that um, the leaders or owners of, of Omax said, no, we want to do things differently. We try to find someone who understands business. So that's a big differentiator. Mm -hmm. And uh, and who's interested in people and you didn't learn that stuff by trade. Yeah, that's super interesting. And I think that's why you did so many things differently. Before we go into this topic, what you did differently, um, please tell us um, the growth from 120 to 300 employees that you pulled off in two years with how many FTEs did you do that? So maybe a little earlier on. So when I started four and a half years roughly ago, it was 40 people. Mm -hmm. And uh, there was luckily one 20-year-old working student uh, who could support. And then we started it all off. And then we did it to 120, um, just the two of us. Mm -hmm. We became full-time employee, um, very cool person. She's still in the company. Um, and uh, then we started to pull another person just exclusively for recruiting and, and uh, also university recruiting, everything related to recruiting in the team. And yeah, then we almost did it, three of us, up to what we're now. We had last year two other employees joining the team, not full-time positions, but still. But we also integrated the payroll internally with, with that step. So nowadays we have, um, I have four FTEs in my team, but we're doing payroll internally. We're doing all the marketing activities internally. We're doing the high-speed recruiting. But I think since we're talking about numbers, 
um, it's sometimes hard to really compare because if you're looking into corporate companies and you're reading how many HR people you normally have on how many employees, you can read about 200, 400, up to 800. Obviously, it's another scale game. We're a smaller company. We're, uh, we're fair, very fast growing, as you said. So I think you need to push and pull KPIs always into relation. Otherwise, they, they don't make sense. But for us, it was a hell of a journey, especially related to the fact that every initial interview is done by my. So every candidate we want to speak with, we speak with them first before the department wants to speak to them. And the reason is very simple because we, we see ourselves as a quality provider and a service provider to the company. And if we don't provide quality and we just let through everybody, then we can just quit our jobs and don't do it anyway. So, and I think that goes alongside with what I also want in my team. I want the right ownership. I want the right mentality of the people to make sure that we can service the company with high quality files because that's what it's all about. Right? And I mean, that's, I think that's amazing. Yeah. Um, and, and, and now. It makes course, a lot of fun, by the way. As well. <laughs> and, and, and now, uh, well, I, I think uh, not only me, but everyone is interested to know how did you do that? Like, how are you able, um, with so few resources to hire so many people and do the interviews on top? Yeah. And hiring means, I mean, the whole funnel from, um, attracting, um, getting the, the applicants, uh, filtering, um, doing the whole, um, like first interviews and maybe some, some stuff in the back end as well. So one thing I mentioned about the ownership and mentality, I think it's very crucial. If you want to, if you want to play a certain role within the company, you need to find the right people, right? If you want to have people owning a process, you need to hire people owning the process. If you want to, Hire people who are driving the business together. You might need another co-founder. I think that's the. F and um, I had luckily this working student I mentioned earlier, and uh, she was 20 years old, uh, young, and she took a lot of ownership. And that was actually also crucial when we hired the second and third person and so on. That it's all about ownership, right? They really want to do the job and they really want to serve this quality standard. They want to serve the business. Um. You can ask my partner colleague here, Isabella, who is with me today. She's from the business side, so she can either agree or... <laughs> Maybe you talk to her later, then she's giving you the real insights. But jokes aside, so I really think it starts with the ownership, and then you need to build it around. Obviously, if you want to have an efficient process and you're doing everything manually, nowadays it doesn't work. So you need tools, you need the right process, you need the right data. And I think this is where we also want to go a little bit deeper into it. If you don't know where your great talents come from, which challenges actually are coming, you might be just in the dark. So how many people are interested in OMAX or in the company and how many people are really then starting the company? That's the ultimate ratio, the ultimate conversion that, that, that really counts. And in that step, in the funnel, you can always track whatever conversion rate you have from one step to the other. So from telephone interview into the next step and, and deeper talks. And if you know those numbers, you can really manage them. And you know, this sounds very much like a sales process because, no, no, it, it, it's meant in a good way, you know, because in the end, sales is exactly the same. You have to um, look at which funnels uh, attract the right people, which funnels convert best, what's the cost per conversion in the end. Um, and, and then you have to um, see where you have to invest more, get better. And I, that's something I didn't see almost at 
any company that I saw from the inside uh, when I was um, a consultant, um, they, they have rough numbers, but if you ask them in detail, um, they probably couldn't provide um, a, a one a one pager with all the channels or the most important ones, so to say, we know this one is working, this is a cost pile for this one. We can um, expect these many people from this channel next month. So you can forecast in the end if you have uh, the, the right data set. And um, I think that's super powerful. W what kind of uh, basic tools or what kind of hands-on advice would you give someone who is not in this data-driven approach yet if they want to get started? So first of all, think about what 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 is your ultimate goal or target, what you want to achieve, right? If you are high-quality people, then you need to build up the funnel maybe differently if you want to just hire people doing the process or the job, which is fine. I'm, I'm not judging, right? But it depends what you want. And I think it it's crucial to understand what kind of tools can support you. So I would name a few ones that we have looked into and that we used in the past. So, for example, an HR HRM system like Personio, Yakando, if you're a little larger, then you maybe think of other solutions as well, is super powerful and helpful because you have a tool that is actually giving you then the data to talk to different stakeholders and to talk to your management, to talk to the departments. But you talk to them not just about, hey, we have a cool candidate here. Do you want to interview it? But you can also talk number-driven. Look, we had 200 applicants in the last whatever week, and we just got one interview. So apparently, we need to we need to do something differently. We need to change the job description. We need to attract different channels because we need 10 people, and we just have one who is actually important. Like what I want to say is, if you don't have the, then you, then you will not get anywhere. I believe, or that's at least our our learning. And the tools help, like as I mentioned, Personio, and then you can interconnect them with APIs. So we're so we're doing our um, salary payslip stuff with Datev, and it's interconnected with Personio. We have a um, content management system for all our certificates for the, uh, but also for all our employer contracts. Everything is, is done digitally. I know there's some legal constraints, but you can work around them. Just ask your um, department. There's always ways. Um, yeah, so I think it's it's a combination of many things, setting up the right targets, the right processes, and then use the tools that are out there to help you. So uh, I think that's super interesting. You, you build a machine, so to say, that is very efficient using um, state-of-the-art digital tools, connect them together. So that you don't need that many people doing processes because processes can be executed in a like big part at least digitally now and automatically that frees up time or we focus on the stuff that's that's driving more business value in the end. I like the way you're looking at it because it's, in the end our business in, in people and culture HR you really want to call it, it it's about people right and attracting them to come to the company so that's the ultimate goal right. But if I lose a lot of time on, on doing stuff and processes and I, I'm not freeing up the time I really need for the person who's sitting on the other side wanting to join my company. Yeah. So, um, yeah, tell us, uh, tell us some secrets now. Um, <laughs> what are the two, three best recruiting channels for you right now? Um, I firmly believe, so if we look at the funnel, right, whatever funnel it is, it's sales, and I, I think you all agree, if you, if you shorten down your funnel on the top, it doesn't really make sense, right? Because then you lose quality on the lower part. So you need to, and you, you shouldn't 
lose quality on the on the lower part. So that means that you need to fill in the funnel. So first of all, I think it's really important and crucial that you have a lot of funnels and channels where people are getting to know Omax or your company. And then already thinking about which channels that could be is, is a very, very important thing to do. So sometimes when I talk with other HR people, they say, yeah, we use StepStone. I say, and what else do you use? Yeah, we use StepStone. Okay. And how many people do you get? Ah, yeah, we have some like on, on quality. Okay, then maybe you should think about other channels. So that being said, for, for Omax and for us, we really trust in the people that we have. So we have a referral program out of the network of the people, a lot of great people. And we have a, an amazing conversion rate. I'm not sharing the secrets that deep, but I can tell you that compared with other channels, that's really making a difference. And then nowadays, I think there's a lot of tools out there to also actively search. So many of you are using headhunters. And I, we use them too. So we work with them, partner, partner up, and we do great stuff together. But for very junior profiles, for very standard profiles, I really believe that you can also do it, right? There's Sing, LinkedIn out there. There's many other topics for more technical roles. Um, and so active sourcing is also a very powerful aspect. I would name those two channels. Question. Who's doing active sourcing at this company? Not everyone. That's crazy. Um, How successfully? Yeah. Well, successfully, maybe. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah, almost the same hands. So um, I can tell you from our experience um, that uh, we don't have to hire hundreds of people yeah, right now yet. Um, but, but still, you can, you can use a little trick. It's, it's, it's like in the gray zone, I would say. But um, you can use the LinkedIn Sales Navigator. And you can filter, you can use the filters to find exactly the profile you want to hire. And the magic trick now is you use the profile of um, a partner or managing director or CEO. Reach out to the mid-level or high-level people that you want to attract. So you don't have to use it for juniors. For juniors, you can use a manager. So it's, it should be the direct report, reporting to them. But for the candidate, it feels like that my future boss took the time to research me and to send me a personalized message. And to ask me, and that's important, not saying, hey, send me in your CV. You see everything on LinkedIn that you need to know if that person could be a fit. At least at a very high percentage, you could say, okay, that could be a really good fit. Offer them a 15-minute get-to-know call. And um, after these 15 minutes, both of you know if it makes sense to invest more time. And um, that's something that um, always works. I mean, if you scale it, maybe that's at scale. But your partners and MDs profiles are a weapon. And you should utilize it and you can reach out to 100 people a week. Yeah. So that's maximum. Don't do more, but one, you can send connection requests. That's important. Not in maze. Then connection requests. Say, Hey, your profile is interesting. It should be up for a chat. Um, and if you do that and you don't get any candidate, I give you a beer because, um, that is working. Yeah. That's just my five cent from a smart company doing that, but super cool. I mean, in the end, the data will tell if you're right or not. Right. So. Use that example that Sammy showed and then you can try. Um, and if not, you can twist it around. Maybe then a different profile is working better for your company. So we did that. We did A, B and C and D and, and F testing. Do, do you do that, what I just told you? Uh, we did it in the beginning, but for us, for example, it didn't work that well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But again, I think it's exactly the data that is going to tell you if it's working for your company and for the profiles you're hiring. And I fully agree. Um, Junior hiring is different than senior hiring. 
Uh, and so, I mean, employee referral program, I would say, if you don't do it yet, um, you miss something. But besides that, what's, what's like a magic pill that you would say that's awesome for us and you would recommend everyone to look into it as a channel besides active sourcing? So the, the, the referral program, the network I mentioned, the yeah. second one. So it sounds easy, right? I have a referral program. I'm paying whatever thousands of euros. That's not it in the end, I guess. You need to push it further. You need to make it very visible. You need to talk to the people one on one. Times um, you can you can have a, actually a session about it, right? In, in the onboarding, so that people from the very beginning learn. Hey, my network counts for this company. You can push it via email. So I don't believe that just having it is actually enough. So Again, it's a channel it. you need to manage it. So it's marketing the program internally, basically. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, absolutely. As for every channel, right? If you don't manage the channel, the channel cannot perform. And um, last question before we open open the floor for questions. Um, if someone still has, okay, yeah, a process-driven HR department doing like the steps as you used to do it uh, in the last 5, 10, 15 years, but wants to change into this number-driven approach, more sales-like approach where you have someone responsible, driving channels, looking at numbers, looking at costs, looking at besides and, and impacting business value. If someone wants to do this transition, what would be the first one, two, three steps in your opinion? Well, I think start thinking about it already helps because that's the process. I think there's no one fits all solution here in the room, but maybe also just clarifying that we also do a lot of processes, right? We're running a lot of things which are the basis. So we're paying all, all our people <laughs> regularly. We're doing contracts. So it's also part of it. But I think one important aspect is the mentality and what you want to get out of people and culture in HR. If you want them just to own the process, it's fine. Leave it as it is. If you want them to make, to make an impact to your business, I think that's the important switch in thinking about it. And if that's then on, then test it and continue testing it, what is actually working well. But if you're positioning it as a process owner, they will be always process owners. If you're giving them, as you said earlier, a saying in driving the business, and especially in consultancies where people is the only asset, I believe that is very important. And it's the first step. And then everything else comes with it. And probably having someone in charge who has the same mindset and who, who wants to own numbers, who wants channels and who has both like like one foot in the business area uh, and one foot still like caring about people and wanting to do something with people yeah um Help. <laughs> it, it should be it should be good so now questions hi this is eric from uh, shoe consulting you also uh you, you mentioned data and in your words what's your ultimate conversion rate from the very top to the very level in recruiting if you want to share, of course. <laughs> well, I can tell you that we're constantly measuring it <laughs> and we have it on a monthly basis and we're also then comparing. So, for example, from last year's conversion rate was, was in my belief, a little bit too high, but was around then between 2 and 3%. We learned that maybe it should lower than, lower, be lower than that and it is as of now. Okay, thank you. And, and that's interesting. So, high is not always good, huh? Well, it depends, but if, if you're, if you're growing fast, uh, I think there's always a trade-off between bringing in a lot of people at the right time and having them at the right quality, right? Yeah. 
And um, yeah, I think a conversion rate and measuring it also over time helps you to get those insights, right? If you would have asked me last year in August, I was like, hey, great, running, we're getting the right people, it's good. But looking at it from a number perspective and with the more qualitative insights later on helps you to drive that. Hey, maybe my conversion rate shouldn't be at three, four, five, ten percent, but it should be lower. But the, I, and I, again, I think it's the same with sales, right? Sometimes <laughs> having good conversions is great. If, if it's maybe too high and you cannot deliver the right quality, it also maybe creates some problems. So again, it's it's knowing the data and then with the data doing the right insight. In sales, sometimes salespeople are incentivized um, only if the customer stays for a certain time. Um, just to give the trade-off, because of course, if you only um, incentivize on sales, I get any customer and also the ones who are not fitting the company. I, I see paradise here. Um, um, so you also, I assume, um, measure after hiring someone, what is the impact of that person and from which channel did they come? And then you adjust accordingly. Yeah, absolutely. And if we're connected to one thing we talked about earlier, the referral program, if you pay the referral bonus when somebody starts, don't do it again. Pay them on, once the probation period or a certain period is done. And I've seen that in many companies. I don't believe it's right. Even though somebody's coming out of the network, you, you still have to test if it's fitting, if it's matching 100%. And that money is valuable. So I wouldn't do it from a personal perspective. Dieter. Yeah. Dieter Schneiderbar. Um, talking about quality, and I very much like that you put up that point that uh, too good conversion rate may be a signal of uh, slippage in quality. Uh, what is your company doing in order to at least sense the quality of candidates in the process while they are going through the funnel be beyond things like GMAT, like online tests and case interviews? Mm -hmm. Well, very good question. Um, and again, I believe there's no one-fits-all solution and answer to it. There's a difference, first of all, between juniors and seniors. Then there's a second solution, a second difference between what you can see on paper, TV certificate, and what you can experience in the process. If you, in the process, try to get into the details of the CV, I think you're losing time, right? Well, if you're getting into the details of different situations, how the person has handled them and how the person is generally thinking and what their culture is, I think that's very important. And that goes then hand by hand with what you have to look at the TV. Get your target profile right. What does the person have to have? And don't make any trades on the quality there. So if you know by the statistics that a person has to have at least half a year abroad to handle clients and to handle consulting, that's a very valuable insight. If you know, okay, they have to have good grades, it's fine. If you statistically have the data for it, use it. If you have the data that somebody should come from a certain university because then you know that they performed, then include that in your active so what I want, I absolutely agree, but I, I, I fear I don't have one fits all solution and, and, and an answer to your question. But I believe that knowing those things and knowing on what you're then judging in the end and what the evaluation is, and also you can set up evaluation criteria that which are helping you to find that right target person. I think that could be a first step to really make sure that the quality is working. 
And hopefully it partially answers your question. Very last question. And hopefully uh, try to make it short because then we have to take a short break and it's up then. Okay. Go ahead. And yes or no would be an answer too. Do you have any KPI for the timeline between first contact and signing the contract? Yeah, we do. And um, again, it's, it's only valuable that number if you know what, what, the, what, what the sector is doing, right? If you have 10 days, but the market is doing it in five days, it sounds great to have 10 days. Um, but here again, too, too fast might be not the right one because then you step, maybe you, especially in a senior process, if you're too fast, you might lose some nuggets, right? Because a junior, you can form them well. A senior already has a certain experience with other companies. You need really the touch points. You need the personal touch points. You need to look in their eyes. You need to really feel it. And therefore, I believe it's a, it's a good number to look at, but it cannot be the ultimate. Okay. That's it. Thanks a lot. Yeah, thank you. Philip. A lot of fun. That's it for now. Thanks for listening. Subscribe to our monthly newsletter at leadersinconsulting.com to get key takeaways from this podcast delivered straight to your inbox and to learn more about how you can join our community of consultancy leaders from around the world. You'd really make my day if you left us a review and subscribe to the podcast on Apple or Spotify. And who knows, maybe we can meet each other at the next Leaders in Consulting monthly meetup. Until then, have a great rest of your week. Your host, Sammy.